Hey guys, welcome to Gutsy Media Podcast, episode one. My guest today is Alec Weck. We're going to be talking the 1999 film Murder of Crows starring Cuba Gooding Jr. I want to give a shout out to my corporate overlords, Don't Forget a Towel. Hey, for all your geekly news, make sure you check out Don't Forget a Towel and our new DFAT comics line, Hollowed Issue 2 is coming out, and I can tell you I personally can't wait to get my hands on that. And now, on with the show. Um, so right off the bat, I just need, I, I need your general, like it, didn't like it. What, what was, what are you, what are you giving this? Two thumbs up? Like, well, wait, hold on. Have we began already? Oh, we, yes, we, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's my, that's my stick. I don't want the, uh, <laughs> I don't want the guests to know that we've started. I want to get you candid. So I want to go into the plot of the movie. But mm-hmm. before we do that too in depth, I just want to know, did you like it or did you not like it? I enjoyed it. I won't ever watch it again. But I mean, <laughs> it, it was but it was a good movie. I mean, it was fun. Okay. It was good. The, the, I was explaining it to Chelsea. She was in she was loving it. And I'm like and I I was thinking in my head, like, I'm doing a really good job of explaining this. <laughs> and, because when you explain it, it sounds so good. Like you know, it, it does. Oh. So that's that's funny that you bring that up because I do think that the movie explanation sounds a lot better than it got pulled off. Yes. And well, I'm sure we'll definitely go into depth about, about why we think that is. But um, so I want you to chime in. Go ahead and help me explain this movie. So it starts off, and we are overhearing a phone call between Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, um, who is a lawyer, Lawson. Lawson Russell, Law Son, which <laughs> did not go unnoticed by me. Thank you. Um, so he's apparently very had, proud of that. <laughs> I'm sure very the writer proud. was too. Uh, I'm, he he's having a phone call uh, where he is telling the judge on a case that he no longer wants to represent his client. Um, while this is going on, you're you're watching somebody watch him. That that person appears appears to be dressed up as the devil. At least I'm assuming it's dressed up, and it wasn't some sort of bad um, makeup job by I don't know who knows. So the the uh, judge does not want to take this as him leaving the case, and and demands he comes into the chambers or comes to court tomorrow or whatever, and basically explains to him, if you do this, you're going to end your career. You can't you can't do this. Yeah, you make the judge sound like a good person. He's not. He's like He's not a good person. He, no, he's he's like if you do this, it ruins my career. Like I, you right. know, this is <laughs> don't Completely, do this. You're screwing yeah. me. Selfish, up. selfish reasons. Judge Banning Banning refuses to accept his uh, his his resignation for, for the case. So it forces him to go in, into the courtroom and and basically finish trying the case. And you find out that he is representing somebody who is on trial for murder, uh, rape. He's just an all around awful dude, and. Uh, who, who he has is, this. He is a classic. I'm trying to think. His first name is Eric. Is it Eric Roberts? What is the, his the actor? Eric yeah. Eric Stoltz. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, very classic villain actor. He's been in a couple other movies. Nothing really of note, but he does always kind of play the bad guy. 
Um, so he has this moment, which I really want to call out, where, where Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character looks over at him in the courtroom, and the, the murderer looks back at him and has this smile, this, like, this, this grin on his face. And um, it's at that point you hear the voiceover with Cuba Gooding Jr. basically says, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have grinned. He, he shouldn't have smiled. And he puts him on the stand and he roasts him. And he goes into him and he goes, just starts flying off the handle. And, of course, there's objections and the judge gets loud. And ultimately what you know is going to happen happens. Um, the case gets dismissed or not, not dismissed. It's uh, a mistrial. Mistrial, yeah, mistrial. So he's going to be tried again. But Cuba Gooding Jr. will not be practicing law anymore. Uh, they have this whole montage where he's apparently going in front of the the bar, or is that what it's called? I don't know the the panel yeah. of judges, yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, he gets kicked out. He's he's no longer allowed to practice law, and this is all within the first five minutes of the movie. Yes, it has taken you longer to explain it than it actually did to watch it. That's <laughs> okay. That's skill, so my all right, friend. We'll, we'll speed right along. <laughs> it, the next scene is he's uh, asleep on a boat, and he's a, he's. The voiceover then continues to tell you about how he basically moved to Florida. Or I'm sorry, there's actually a whole scene with a friend of his who's also a lawyer who decides to represent him, and that's only kind of important later. Um, so he's in Florida. He's now become – he's trying to write a book. He's having a horrible time doing it, and he's uh, moonlighting as a fishing guide. So the an old man comes over to rent the boat. Uh, what is what is your take on the old man when we first see him? Instantly knew something is amiss. He is he is a character. There is more to him than we're seeing. Um, I could tell. Number one, this is how observant I am. I was just watching the watching the film. His hands were younger than his face. Like I could tell <laughs> there was something. I'm like, oh, he's got really nice hands. That was that's interesting. Uh, so I instantly knew he was. I mean, hand models that? age. Hand models don't age. They don't. The hands don't, the faces do. So it's an old guy who decides to rent a boat. They become friends, uh, being out, out at sea all day. At the end of the night, they go back to the local bar, have a couple brews, where uh, they exchange some some small talk. The old man basically says his wife recently died, and um, Cuba Gooding Jr. says he's a lawyer. And and the old man has this this conversation where he talks about oh he hates lawyers, and you know if it wasn't for lawyers we wouldn't need lawyers, and so on, and. Uh, he Cuba Gooding Jr. says he's trying to write a book. He can't do it. Later on, the old man comes to his house with a copy of a book. So this is right off the bat. This is one of the scenes I don't like because it, it's it's just moving too fast. The relationship between the old man and Cuba right. Gooding Jr.'s character is just moving too fast. You've known this guy for a day, and you show up to his house in order to hand him a book that you wrote. You want him to read and give his expertise. Cuba Gooding Jr. says this book is phenomenal. Reads the thing in one sitting, cover to cover. It's the most amazing thing ever. And he goes over to the old man's house to tell him that. When he gets there, there's a cop there, presumably. Like a detective, he's got a badge. He's outside, tell, says the old man died. You know, is there anything, anything you wanted to say to him or anything that we should know about? And Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, nope, no way. Am I missing anything so far? No. Okay. Spot on, spot on explanation. So Cuba Gooding Jr. decides at this point, because he's struggling to write a book and the old man's dead, I'm going to keep the book and publish it under my name. 
again, we're about 10 minutes into the movie so far. So all of this has happened <laughs> rather quickly. <laughs> then immediately another montage. He sells the book to the publishing company. It gets published. It becomes the greatest thing since sliced bread. He makes all this money, winds up banging his editor or whoever whoever this chick winds up being Absolutely. in the montage. Yes. Yep. And then he runs into the guy that was on trial. Right? That's the yes. next He's He runs into the guy that he was representing. The guy tells him basically he got off on a technicality. And they they have this little back and forth exchange. Um, his new girlfriend shows up. The Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character's uh, love interest, or, or the the girl. It's not even really. There's, there's, there's no love zero, interest. Yeah, there's zero vagina love, interest. Zero, yeah. <laughs> there's zero romantic things going on. It's just basically the girl that works at the publishing company and him. They're sleeping together. So she shows you know, up. She, you know she bang in this particular world. If we're gonna go into this, <laughs> she's banging every number one every, bookseller, every every one of them. Which is crazy to me because you don't see her interact with more than two guys, but you <laughs> get this sense that yeah, she's sleeping with everybody. She's just the character comes off as a very aggressive a whore, you, you, sed seductress, <laughs> seductress, seductress. I can't even say the word. Um, it's so anyway, so she shows up, go figure. She knows the, you know, almost convicted murderer and rapist. They used to date, which is, I don't even know why I'm saying that because it has zero to do with the plot. Her character has zero to do with, she's got more going on in this story than a background <laughs> character should have going on. <laughs> this is where all of the budget but went in the film. I am most interested in her backstory. <laughs> there needs to be a spinoff. Yeah. So, um, and this is kind of where the movie really starts laying the bricks for the plot, which is essentially the book is about a guy who kills lawyers. Um, something happens. I forgot what the, the storyline is in the book, but he decides rather than kill the bad guy, he's going to kill the people that represent him. So he, the book is about him killing three or four lawyers. Well, once you know it, the book is actually real stories that actually happened um somebody mails a detective a copy of the book he decides to read it although i don't get the strong sense that this character does much reading um he's he you, you, plays... you, you're missing a, a critical point here the biker guy goes to a book signing oh yeah you have yes 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 so the, the, the cuba gooding jr does his book signing a biker guy shows up um, he's got like a Hell's Angels vet. Like, it is, it is the most stereotypical biker guy. Long hair. He's got like a handlebar mustache and he's chewing gum. He's got a denim vest on. That's it. No shirt. No shirt. And he has him sign the book. And, but he um, likes thrillers. And that's what I like about that biker guy. He really, he's, he's a literary mind. <laughs> so he he has him sign the book and the reason why that's important is because that's the book that gets mailed to the detective who reads it um he winds up being the detective that worked the first case the actual case from the book he then goes to the writer who's cuba gooding jr and has him arrested and, um, and this 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 detective is tom berenger who you know we know from the sniper who we know from uh, Inception and, and many other classic, classic films. So he he's yeah, a big headliner. Yeah, absolutely. Been in a lot of films. Uh, you're right. Inception, Training Day. He plays a a guy in oh, Training yeah. Day movie. 
Um, have you seen him recently? Ma- Major League. Oh, he's not aged. Major well. League. Yes, exactly. Major League is probably what he's most known for. He's not aged well. Older. Yeah. Well, he's the older guy in Major League, which came out in like what '86. <laughs> so you can imagine what he looks like now. But um, he so, also has my favorite line in the movie, which he, is he. The first scene that he's in, he's walking back from vacation. He is still in his Hawaiian shirt with a Kangol on. He. I mean, this is this is part of. I mean, he's walking into. He's walking into the, work. Into the police. Yes. After vacation. So the idea here is that he comes right off the plane in the parking lot and into the police station. Yes. And then what's interesting is one of the guards it says, hey, what's the matter, detective? You can't sleep? To which Tom Berenger, who is this old, crusty detective in this movie, says, I can sleep if I wanted to, and then walks right past him like, I, I can do what I want. I can sleep if I wanted to. I just don't want to right now. I want to come to work. <laughs> uh, I, I, love, I love the line, though. What's the matter, detective? You couldn't sleep? Like you take a look at him in his Hawaiian shirt and and vacation hat, and you immediately think, obviously he was trying to sleep. Right? No, he just had the best week of his life away from murder <laughs> and death to come back to this shithole Louisiana police precinct. Yeah. So uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is sir is arrested. He gets out on bail. Um, that's where the friend from earlier comes back. She's gonna be his lawyer. Um, while out on bail, he gets served with a search warrant, which. Okay, I'm going to overlook the fact that the search warrant probably would have happened while he was in jail, but let's just skip that. So he had, he he comes home to the cops searching his house. Him and uh, Tom Berenger's character have this kind of exchange where it's it's very reminiscent of some of like the Tommy Lee Jones and U.S. Marshals, where he's like, "Listen, I'm not. It's not a personal thing. I'm doing my job. I'm a good cop, and you're the bad guy." You know. You know what it was? There's that classic scene in Heat where. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are in the diner, and they're both having this conversation like, you know, hey, if it's me or you, you know, I'm going to pull that trigger. Right. And this is the shittier version of that. So I love this is this is a very classic movie scene. I love this scene. Um, I think one of the best ones that that pulled it off was um, Swordfish. You have a scene with, um, oh man, why am I jo- forgetting? Johnny Travolta. Johnny Travolta, who, so his his career took a nosedive recently, and I don't really know why. He's he lost his hair. There's there's a direct that's, correlation that's to there's the, if you can do one of those if you charted it out. I'm being serious. If you it's, charted it's it a out, crisscross. The yeah. less hair you have, the less of a yep. career. I think the last real big blockbuster he did was um, from Paris with Love, which is actually I, I like that movie. It's one of my I won't say one of my favorite movies, but it's, it's a really good movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. He also um, started driving planes off runways. Like that was also the intersection. Yeah, of that's crazy. true. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, Harrison Ford did that too. That's true. Was that, he's on like number three now, so uh, he's he's still going strong. I don't know how. Uh, that there's there hasn't been a single actor uh, above Harrison Ford that I think really just does not give an f about Hollywood anymore. Like his interviews are very like whatever. <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> That was um, a very good. That was a very, that was a good, very good practicing. So uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Berenger had this exchange, and and Cuba Gooding Jr. is basically like, you know, I'm not. This isn't me. I'm not guilty. Knowing he's getting nowhere with the cop, he decides just to book it. Somehow ma- manages to make it with little effort, makes it out of the house that is completely uh, filled with cops going through all the stuff. And decides he's going to do some investigating work on his own. He goes back to the Florida place. I don't know if it was the Florida, Bahamas or something. I don't know. 
to try to find out where the old guy left any information. Doesn't find anything there, but does is able to check the phone records for a pay phone down the street because he finds out from the landlord that the old guy wasn't using the phone. Gets a phone number to some woman's house who winds up being a maid. So Cuba Gooding Jr. follows her for a little while, finds out she's cleaning the house for some guy. Uh, I forgot how does he how does he connect the guy? There's something going on with the guy. He connects the guy no, to no. he one. just breaks in his house and then snoops around and There's finds. There's a reason though. There's a reason why he breaks into the house. I want to say like he runs the name and finds out the name somehow associated with one of the crimes. I don't know. No, I that, happens, that, that happens later. That happens later. He, okay. like he Cuban Gooding Jr. just breaks into the house to see what the fuck is up. So the the synopsis says that he follows a clue to the home of Truman Parks the yeah. Third, which two things which is, I love how it doesn't explain what the hell the clue is. But any time that I watch a movie and it's they give a character a third or a second, oh yeah, 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 I'm not a fan. Go I, Junior. I, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go the sequel name, go Junior. Don't go the third. It's just too much effort. There's three okay. generations of these of, of he's, Thurman he's Parks. He's, he's guilty. There, there's there's something up with that. <laughs> you could just tell from the third. Mm-hmm. So he breaks into the house, and lo and behold, he uncovers this giant makeup wardrobe where the guy has all of the prosthetics carefully mounted. You know, you've got you got the old man prosthetic, you got the devil from the original opening scene, you got the biker guy's vest is hanging up behind him. Um, I think I think that was it. The only that was the only cop, three. The cop. Oh, the cop, the badge is just sitting there. And you 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 had this scene where Cuba Gooding Jr. is going through all the stuff, and he's like, he's piecing it together one at a time, which I love. Like, he sees the old man makeup, and he's like, oh, he was the old man, you know? And he sees the badge, and he's like, oh, my God, he was the cop, too. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, come on, piece it together a little faster here. We, we all got that. <laughs> the maid comes home, he skedaddles. Uh, and at that point, the the rest of the movie, which you, you probably got about another fifteen minutes of the movie, it's all very fast. Um, he basically gets the, the the guy that he broke into his house, Thurman Parks the Third, winds up being a teacher for Shakespeare. I want to say or, or yeah, theater, some, some college, yeah, yeah, theater, just theater in teacher. general. Um, he is the husband of a of a wife and daughter that were killed. The original lawyer got the guy off on a technicality. He could tell in the courtroom that the guy was generally remorseful, but the lawyer was, you know, happy-go-lucky. So he decides to kill the lawyer, goes on to kill a couple more lawyers, and is about to kill Cuba Gooding Jr. when he has this attack of consciousness, um, which is the opening scene. Then, rather than leave him alone, he decides to write a best-selling novel and give it to Cuba Gooding Jr. to see if he's got any integrity. Of course he doesn't, gets it published, and there go. Uh, he sets him up for murder. The cop shows up. The cop ends up getting shot. Uh, you have this standoff between Cuba Gooding Jr. and uh, and Thurman Parks Third. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember how the movie ends. I, Thurman Parks dies. Somehow everybody believes Cuba Gooding Jr. and he, and he gets off and goes on to live happily ever after. I miss anything? I miss anything important? Because I gotta be. I, you missed two scenes for me that I, I just want to highlight. One is there is an amazing Spartan kick scene where you mentioned earlier he's running away from the police. He kicks up one of the cops down the stairs 
<laughs> like full on, full on front kick down the stairs, and then proceeds to run by him as this cop is. He he runs by him and then jumps over a wall yes. in the backyard. Uh, Tom Berenger's character is chasing him, gets to the wall, and is like, ah, ah yeah, no, no, he's ah. good. No, yeah. The rabbit Only is loose. The, the rabbit is loose. That was their code word. <laughs> the rabbit is loose. What? Um, and the other great scene is he's also running from the cops, and the cops, you know, corner him by like a by a um, a truck or something like that. And all of a sudden, Cuba Gooding Jr. is gone. And the next scene they cut to is him flying down the highway on top of this bread truck. You know, like oh, this I'm just gonna be Cuba Gooding Jr. I'm just on the top, and this is how I escape the police. It's just oh, it man. the the idea behind this movie which is, to me, very ingenious, that a, a lawyer with low morals takes this book that has real crimes in it and then proceeds to you know, be accused of committing these crimes because no one else would know all these intimate details of the book and the murders is genius. So the here's execution the thing. is terrible. Uh, agreed. Agreed 100%. I mean, here's the thing. The guy doesn't even have to be a lawyer, in my opinion. I just like the idea of, hey, I'm going to steal this book, publish it as my own, and Oh shit! It's actually real, and I'm now I'm gonna get framed for murder. Yeah, that that concept is awesome, and and I gotta say, I think that it it I don't know what lost it for me. I don't know what lost it for me. The the writer uh, Rowdy Harrington is also the director, so he wrote and directed the film. He actually also directed uh, Roadhouse. Yes, G- great movie. Uh, not really known for anything else, but well, so but that, 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 I want I want to. This is a good point. So Roadhouse is a it's a late '80s movie, right? Right. It's like, right. I get that same vibe from this movie. This is like a, a late '80s movie. However, it's made in '98. Like the the director produced the same movie, you know, wrote the same movie, which should have been in the '80s. He just made it in the '90s without any evolution of character, without any evolution you, you of think technology. That's the problem? I, that's you think part that's of the problem? problem. He's just using the '80s stuff. In the late '90s, it came out in '98. I was shocked when I heard that. I was thinking '89, '91, like those. Really? That was the year. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Wow. Now, to me, see, to me, this movie has has mid mid '90s all over it. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's kind of out of its time, but I couldn't. So we we agree it's not the writing. The, the script, I I feel like has to be good. It's got a good story, and I and with some tweaks, it could be pulled off. I think here's the problem: you can't have the writer and the director be the same person. You gotta have the director put that that script through a different lens. Um, I don't think Cuba Gooding Jr. did a bad a bad acting job in this movie. Um, he's kind of an over top actor anyway. One of my favorite uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. movies is uh, it's called like Chill Out or Chill. Oh my God, Chill Dogs or something like that. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Is Not this that... the one where he's 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 mushing dogs through the? <laughs> Dude, no, the Alaskan outback. There's there's one where he he plays a guy who steals an ice cream truck and winds up getting what? Oh, I tell me you've never heard of this movie. No. I got to find it now. He I'm, this movie is it's not even what what kills me about this that's not even the plot of the movie. The ice cream truck thing is not even the plot of the movie. There's a guy who is smuggling or trying to like hide lethal weapons like like lethal gas weapons and that guy winds up crossing paths with cuba Gooding jr who is stealing an ice cream truck and trying to go around and make deliveries with the ice cream truck so that he can get the money and and leave 
It's it's such an over the top movie. I gotta find out what it's called. Chill Factor. That's what it's called. He plays Arlo in a movie called Chill Factor, and it's actually a really good movie. I'm. You know what's funny is I I. I'm done with Cuba Gooding Jr. for a while, but I have recently watched this movie, obviously, and I'm also watching Rat Race, which oh, is a classic, great classic, classic movie. It's got and Mr. He's a, he's a funny bit in, in there, yeah. It does have Mr. Bean in it. It's a race! It's a race! <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got, what, narcolepsy, right? He's falling asleep? Yeah. I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. has has a phenomenal career, but I don't think... He's not one of those guys that stayed in Hollywood in the limelight for a long time. I mean... He's been most recently an American Horror Story, but I mean, even before that, he's got uh, uh, Jerry Maguire, Radio, Men of Honor, as good as it gets, uh, Chill Factor, which is you know what he's known for, obviously. Yeah, absolutely, that's what he's known for. That's so. So I I did prepare some questions for you because I want to get your take on this film. Um, I think we both agree that it is a pretty okay movie. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I wasted my time watching it, but I definitely don't think this is something that I would put in a top tier of anything. No, but I could see. I, I wish we could remake it with some new imagination. Again, that that really core principle is fascinating to me. Um, I, I think that you're right. Maybe the director writer was a little bit too close to it, so he couldn't envision anything else. There wasn't any, you know, any new ideas in the directing. But uh, yeah, it's if you it think the not, director is the problem, if you think the director is the problem, who are you getting to direct this? I mean, if 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 it's like open ended, I'm gonna get Christopher Nolan. Well, of, I, right? mean, I mean, or Sam Mendes, like those are my two. <laughs> Christopher like, Nolan, no, like, no, Tarant- Tarantino, Tarantino, Tarantino's no. taking this. Yes, Tarantino's taking this and turning it into a blood fest, amazing movie. That's what he's doing. And, and and amping up the uh, dialogue a little bit, obviously. I'm going to go on the record and say that I think Tarantino is one of the most overrated actors ever. Ever. I think if you if you remove... Are you trying to lose viewers on your podcast? Like, what's the point? You, are, you try, are you trying to keep people? No? <laughs> if you remove Pulp Fiction, I don't think any other movie holds up. I, I don't think Jackie Brown holds up. I don't think Reservoir Dogs holds up. I think Pulp Fiction's a phenomenal movie, but it was a freak landstorm. And I can't think of a good movie in his last three or four that were worth a shit. No, no, you're totally off. So I will agree that Jackie Brown certainly is probably the lowest movie in his rated movie in his repertoire. Um, Reservoir Dogs, I it's a classic because it was so ahead of its time in a lot of ways, um, from the way that it was told to the dialogue. To the blood and gore, you see the beginning and the infancy of him as a writer and director in that. I, he grows it throughout that throughout his ten movies. But how can you not like um, the Django? How can you not like the Kill Bills? So, for, first off, that's the other thing that always kills me when people throw Quentin Tarantino out as one of the greatest directors of all time. I'm like, you realize he's only directed like ten films. Not even. He's quitting at ten. He's. I think he's done nine right now. I think he has one more left. Which is out of control. It's out of control. Uh, he has been the writer and producer on a couple of movies, and he's credited for being the actor, which kills me because I hate when directors like hide themselves in films. Like, oh, you got us. You know, you hid yourself. Good job. Yeah. You're in charge of the freaking film. Why didn't you? Um, but from Dust Till Dawn's pretty good, I guess. Natural Born Killers is pretty good. I don't know. I just, I'm not saying he's a bad director. I'm just saying I think he's, he's too overrated. What? So I think here's the thing. I think that you're right 
as a director, he's normal, right? I mean, he's not he's not doing anything incredibly inventive from a I'm, how I'm going to shoot the film. Again, I think that as a writer, uh, and then pairing that with his directing, it all really tells a wonderful story of hilariousness and seriousness and gore and comedy. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetATowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. I'm gonna, here's what I plan on doing. I'm gonna try to pitch these questions. Each podcast, uh, I may sprinkle in some new ones, and I may uh, exit out some old ones, but here is going to be my standard questions of the podcast. I want to get your take on it. Number one, personal connections are important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real-life story that happened to you? Um, the, I, I need these ahead of time. This is no I'm on way. the spot. I want you on the spot. Um, is there anything that reminds me of something that has happened to me or something that I've seen before? Have you ever kicked a cop down the stairs? In today's age, uh, no. Um, no, I don't think there's anything that I can link to myself other than, you know, maybe, um, in some ways trying to do what's right morally. And that's kind of what screws over him, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., and, get, and why he's disbarred is because you know, he wants to recuse himself from the case because he knows his client is guilty. And uh, you know, so he wants to do what's right, and the judge says no. And then because the judge says no, he has to you know, do some shady lawyering stuff. And so, I, so here's my thing, though. You, you say he does some shady lawyering stuff. He also obviously steals a book later, which – Puts him, you know, frame for well, murder. My, my is he a moral you, character? No. My question, no, he's all about, he's out for himself. My question to you, though, and, and to me, well, well, let's take turns if I, if I may pose this upon oh, you, good please, sir. Please, please. Let's, let's say this happens to you. And I, let's suspend belief and say that it's just a good book. There's no real murder <laughs> involved in it. Uh, would you, would, would you take, yeah, but the, the, remember in the movie, he, the old man says, "I have no family. My wife has already died." Right. Um, in, the, in the movie, he believes that he's essentially going to get away with it. And what I love even more is it, that there's yeah. a there's a subtle little thing where he tells later on that he retyped the entire thing and then burned the original. And I'm like, that is mm-hmm. that was genius. I mean, it didn't ultimately work out because now you're framed for murder. But that's I mean, that's really smart. Um, would I take the book? That's that's tough because obviously I like to be a moral person and say no, of course I wouldn't take it, but I mean he's he's essentially got an amazing what he calls an amazing book in his hands. He hasn't been able to write his own. He does have a publisher in the movie that is you know looking to get some of this this book published, and he believes the old guy is is gone for good. And I mean, what's going to happen? You're going to turn the book in and then it's going to go unread by anybody. So I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation, which is my nice way of saying I would totally take the book. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a tough 
when, when you think there's no victim, right? In exactly. The Exactly. It's like, oh well, you know, I've got this gift. What can I do with it? You know, I've got this. And maybe, present. maybe that's what the the writer is trying to to project. Because I mean, ultimately, Cuba Gooding Jr. is the quote unquote good guy in the movie, right? He's getting framed for murder that he didn't commit, and he's trying to prove his own innocence. So, how do you make the good guy be the moral guy who steals a book? Well, right. I mean, you got to make it so there's no victim. He thinks there's no victim. Yeah. Okay, so question number two. If you had to recast two roles Ooh. in the film, what roles would they be? Who would you recast in them and why? This is a great question. Now, I will say this is a small cast. So I'm going to... Um, all right, here, here's my... I'm, I'm flipping this whole thing on its head. I'm making it a comedy. I'm going to cast. Oh my God! I'm going to cast, um, Mike Myers, as as the killer, because <laughs> if you've got a dress of his different characters, who better Perfect. than Mike Myers, right? Perfect. Um, so I think he really fits in nicely there, and then as the Cuba Gooding Jr. character, uh, I would cast, uh, Jonah Hill. Because I think it would be funny to see Jonah Hill running from the police so often, or getting any, <laughs> any sort of physical altercation. Like he's, he does it would just add add to the add to the humor of it. I could so see, I, yeah. I could see Will Ferrell in the Cuba Gooding Jr. role. Ooh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I like that. Um, or you know, oh, you know, I'm gonna go. We're gonna keep it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with Kevin Hart. Oh, okay. I as, like it. As, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, and then maybe. we're gonna make. We're, I'm gonna go with. Thir- I'm adding. I'm adding in a third character that I can get tr- recast, and I'm going the Rock as the detective because you gotta That's have the Rock and Kevin Hart to paired say. together. If, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. If you have the Rock as a detective and and uh, Kevin Hart as the runaway guy, I like it. All right, what aspect of the storytelling were not done right, or or I'm, yeah, we're done. We're done. Yeah, game. Read my own handwriting. What aspects of the storytelling were done right? And what were done wrong? You know, I think that um, what was done wrong was that it it was sped up a little bit. Um, What's the runtime you know, on this? I want to say it's like ninety minutes almost. I think two, it's a little bit longer. I, I yeah, an hour I think and forty two minutes. So a hundred and two minutes. I think it was a little too fast to get to. Um, that first kind of beyond the point of Cuba Gooding Jr. He's he's morally sound because he kind of convicts this person, but then he kind of gets to the script. Um, I think we could have done without that whole kind of um, what's the, who who is the Eric uh, character? What's what's this guy's name again? Eric Stoltz. Uh, he's Eric Stoltz. Uh, Thurman his Parks whole, the Third. Thurman Parks the Third. We could have done without. I, I think totally. And really just had to focus on him being a lawyer and him running from the police, him trying to track down his killer. We didn't need this kind of third person um, in there to kind of. Yeah, yeah I agree. I also think the whole thing with uh, with the editor, we could have done without that. I think what, what's funny to me is they, they do speed up the initial part. Like I said, you, you're getting to the old guy and the story like 10 minutes in. And even the ending, like the last 10 or 15 minutes is like everything's pieced together. The, the detective dies in, in the end of the movie. But they linger on the editor and that kind of weird 
like sex relationship for way too long in an already fast-paced movie, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you also left out a, a small scene, but it's again kind of goes to your point here, where Cuba Gooding Jr. does break into um, Thurman's the Third's house, right? And mm-hmm. while he's in there, who, lo and behold, who's you know drunk and coming up the stairs? But it's him and the editor, you know, that are banging it out. Right. Yeah. So like, it, it doesn't make any like, sense. Which is so ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, my next question. What is the biggest unanswered question for you about the movie? And do you think it was intentional? I don't I don't think there are any um, unanswered questions for me. I mean, it the movie does kind of wrap up with a nice little bow. You know, he's... He go he, he gets arrested for the murder, but then he's you know not convicted and he's found innocent. Um, but like you said, that whole last ten minutes just blows by. It doesn't really make sense. Um, his friend Pope, you know, helps him out. It, it's just yeah, and they have that. So that's the the female lawyer that helps him in the beginning and then becomes his lawyer at the end. Um, they have a weird kind of relationship too, where he he makes some comments like he would do anything for her or. I think he offers to sleep with her or something in the beginning, like as a joke. And she has this moment where she's like, if you, if you only ask nicely, like you could just, you can tell she's interested in him and either he doesn't pick up on it or he's intentionally like blowing her off. No, I, well, I think it's, I think it's both. I think that he intentionally blows her off cause she's ugly in the beginning. Then he becomes too famous for her when he, when he sells the book and right. then, and then now I'm broke and arrested and you know, I have no one else to turn to. I have to come crawling back to you sweet mama and try to beg for forgiveness. Right. I, I think, you know, honestly, I think we did, we hit on something here that is a negative in the movie. I think Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character is not likable enough. I don't think you have a lot invested in him as a character because he doesn't come off as the guy that you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe he got framed. What a nice guy. He's, I hope he gets out of this. Instead you're like, well, yeah, I mean, he, he obviously didn't commit murder. And probably doesn't deserve to be where he is, but I mean, he's not really the the boy scout that you're hoping to root for. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, you know, it, it's an interesting character because you do see, you do see different shades of him. You see him saying, "I don't want to uh, defend this guilty guy," right? Then there's, "I don't want to talk to Pope because she's, you know, ugly and she's not my friend." Um, then you see him as a famous person that is doing whatever he wants to do. He's driving a Corvette, right? He's doing all these rich people things. Um, money's gone straight to his head. Right. And then he's, you know, kind of arrested and he's got to kind of fight back from that. Um, Meanwhile, the bad guy or, or the professor in this, he is a professor at a university. He lost his wife and daughter. And he's, you, 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 again, you don't feel for him. You're not rooting for him. He's obviously a bad guy who's committed murder and set up a uh, well, an innocent yeah. man. But you also don't completely hate him either. I mean, the, you have you, you know the sequel to this is actually the story from his point of view. So I mean, I'm being serious. <laughs> it's, it's it's totally different because now you're th- sympathetic to the man that's doing all the killing, right? Now you're rooting for the killer. Uh, you know who this man who's been wronged by the justice system, and now he's going to stick it to the man. And then, you know, they could have shot this whole thing from his perspective. Cuba Gooding Jr. would have came out looking like the a-hole. Uh, he would have been the bad guy. He would have been the villain, you know, the master criminal in it all. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. This uh, this was a straight-to-DVD release. No! Yeah, July 6th, 1999, straight-to-DVD uh, by Lionsgate. It gets re-released in 2001 by a company called Live Artisan, um, then re-released again in 2002 and 2003 by a corresponding Canadian company. I, I am... I My... I am blown away. This is straight to DVD because to me, this is a moderately well-made movie which could have gone to theaters. I don't know. Yeah, if I, I agree. I, I'm shocked. So uh, this this is right up my alley with noir films, um, and it's funny because there's a website called AllMovies.com, and it gives you related movies or movies that are very similar to this. You know what's on there? Brick, which is a mm. favorite of of mine mm-hmm. and yours. Mm-hmm. All right, my last question. What is the most important sequence in the movie? Ooh, the most important sequence. Um, you know, we, we've, we've glanced over it um, because, I mean, it does happen a lot. But I'm going to say the most important sequence is really that ending, which is kind of this Mexican standoff where – uh, you know, the, the, the professor is, has a gun pointed at Cuba Gooding Jr., and he's explaining to him why he's done these kind of things. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is saying, well, that's, none of that's really my fault. And Tom Berenger's character comes in, and he's got a gun pointed at uh, the professor. You know, a struggle ensues. Tom Berenger's character dies, and uh, the professor thinks he's gotten off because, he, you know, it, he's got the gun of – uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., and that's who he shot the the, the cop with. Uh, struggle ensues. The prof- professor dies. Now Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to jail for both murders, and then eventually gets off. But I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that that's the most. Really, you think the ending? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean what, what what else am I going to pick? You know, I honestly DVD. one of <laughs> one of my favorite sequences in the film, and I think the reason why I like it so much is the sequence with the old guy in the beginning. I, I do like this this cat and mouse that he's playing. I mean, even if you don't know what the ultimate end goal is, there is this kind of cat and mouse with the old guy setting him up, and and you get this sense that he is, um, like in retrospect, you get the sense that everything he says is very well crafted, meticulous to get Cuba to kind of yeah. hook onto the to the story. I'm going to change mine. I'm going to say that my – and you mentioned it earlier, but my favorite sequence is actually when Tom Berenger and Cuba Gooding Jr. are sitting down in Cuba's house while the police ransack the place. Oh, that's a good one. Clues, right? um, and, but my favorite part about it is they're sitting at a chess table, and so you know, one's on one side and one's on the other side, and it's like the perfect opportunity for them to make chess moves. Instead, they smoke cigarettes and then move the ashtray between them and each <laughs> one of them talk. Obviously. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, so there is, there is, I, I love going to the IMDb page and going through the trivia. There is one piece of trivia on this movie. Uh, it says, when the prisoner arrives at the prison in the opening scene, it is pouring rain outside. He exits the vehicle and walks inside, yet a close-up of his shoes shows they are completely dry. My, I love doing what you're doing right now. And I get upset if a movie only has a few. Like I need, right? I need a hundred and twenty. Yeah. Of these what are, trivia. What things. are the people at IMDb doing all day? Like somebody's <laughs> got to be more attentive to these pages. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um. So, 
a couple things I want to I want to do in, in the shows moving forward, and I'm going to start with you, my friend. Is I love playing a game called Guess That Tomato, and how we're going to play this is you're going to give me your guess for the Rotten Tomatoes uh, audience Ooh, score. Oh, this is an amazing game. I love this. Guess That Tomato. So, for those of you who don't know, Rotten Tomatoes uh, does movie reviews. They do it on basically every movie, whether you ask them to or not. There's always two reviews. There is the critics review and the audience review. Uh, I will say the critics review for this movie is a zero because there's only been five critics reviews, none of which have been qu quoted. Uh, it does have an audience score. 6,015 people have rated this movie. Go ahead, Alec, guess that tomato. And this is on a scale of one to 100, correct? One to 100, correct. Ooh, okay. Um, 6,000 people. Do we know their demographics at all? Do we know their <laughs> age? Like, what? It does not give you the score breakdown, no. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it does, hang on, it does say C-score details. Yeah, it does <laughs> not it give up. you Okay, does sorry. Not give you That'd be some spooky shit, though. Um, I mean, also, let me explain my, I'm gonna, I, all I can do is give my Rotten Tomatoes score, right? I mean, I don't know what the general public is looking at, so I'm going to give my Rotten Tomatoes score. A, a 50 is what I ask, what I tell somebody to watch it at least one time. Um, 100 would be, I, I would make someone watch it. It would be like 2001 A Space Odyssey is at 100. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and give this movie a 55. I, I would say, hey, if, if you're interested in this, you know, this type of movie, it's definitely worth a watch. you got an hour and 42 minutes. Go ahead and pump it out. Uh, so I'm going to go with a 55 for okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Very, very interesting. Um, I'm going I'm to give you this. So I'm going to take your score of 55. I jotted it down. Now I'm going to give you a hint. And then we're going to see if you want to change your score. I'm Ooh. going to give you movies that are within two points of this movie. Oh, so my. This within is... two points of this audience score. Sir, this this game, this is a phenomenal game. This is amazing. Are you ready? I'm loving this, yeah. Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, I hate that movie. Draft Day. I love that movie. I just watched it. The Grinch. The, oh. the animated movie, The Grinch. <laughs> this is not helping me at all. And The Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies. You have given me zero help. You have given me movies all over I the love. Board. Exactly. All over the board. Which tells me Rotten Tomatoes, the people that are writing these things, <laughs> morons. Morons. So do you want to change your score? Yes. Okay, what do you want to change it to? 63. 63. Okay. I'm, I'm bumping it up eight. 63. I love that, draft that, day. That's an impressive bunch up. Is that, that's because of draft day? I, I, tr I just watched it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. If you're listening to this, go watch it. you got to watch it with ads, I think, but it's phenomenal. I love that movie. Wait, wait till the show's over, then go watch it. I, I'm <laughs> going to have to check it out because I actually have not seen that movie. You won't uh, like it. 63. The correct answer is 57. Ooh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not too far 55 off, though. 55 is close. Yeah. 55 is close. Everything I read to you has a score of 59, uh, which is within two points of our 57 score. And the other game I would love to play, unfortunately, we cannot with this one because this is direct to DVD, but I'll let you play anyway. The week that this was released, July 19th, uh, 19, excuse me, July 9th, 1999, what was the top movie of that opening weekend? That's a big weekend. That is this a big is, weekend. This is July 4th-ish, right? I mean, this is, 
No joke. Um, and you're not giving me any hints? Um, I'll give you a hint if you want it. Well, I don't want it yet. 1999, you said, right? 1999. Um, I feel like a Bad Boys came out in that era, maybe. What? Um, I mean, yeah. There, there, what? There's a big. There's got to be a big action movie. Uh, for 1999, right? Not an action movie. Really? Not an action movie. This is the Broke first movie in what would wind up being I I want to say four movies total. This is this is one of those franchises that I think went one or two, three strong, and then started going like direct DVD, none of the original cast type type sequels. Really? So I was a freshman in high school in 1999. Um, I guarantee you've seen this movie. There's no way you have not seen this movie. You probably saw you're you're in the statistics right now. You're probably one of the people that saw it opening weekend. If you were in high school, you're one of the people that saw it opening weekend. It's too early for Twilight. Um Does that describe Twilight to you? Yeah, it possibly does. <laughs> My wife has given me side. I said the word Twilight. My wife instantly She's perks immediately up. Wants right. to know what we're talking about. Uh, I think we're coming up on the twenty year anniversary for Twilight ten year anniversary for Twilight, by the way. It's ma- it's it's making the rounds again. It's very it's, it's making the rounds again. <laughs> it is, it is. People are making fun of uh, who's that? The girl with no upper lip. Everyone is always in love with. She does cups. Anna oh, Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, people are attacking Anna Kendrick again. I love her. She's awesome. Well, she, apparently she said, and it's all taken out of context. She said, "I was miserable when I was filming that movie," but but she was. She was miserable because she was wet and cold wearing Converse sneakers. Yeah, I'd be miserable too. Like she was like, "Oh, I enjoyed my time making the Wait, movie." I, I mean, I was miserable watching that movie. So <laughs> like, I hope she was miserable filming it. I love her. Huge, huge fan of the show. Uh, huge friend of the show, Anna Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. I, I hope so. So, what is your? Uh, here's another hint. Anna Kendrick is not in this movie. <laughs> I was only going to say Anna Kendrick movies. 1999. I mean, all I can remember about that. Um, can, well, let me ask you this: Was no, I have no idea. This is this is an unfair guess. All I can think about is one of the first Star Wars, but I, based upon your clue, that was I can't be it. Uh, episode uh, one, American Pie. Ooh, Amer. That came out in 1999. 1999, July 9th. Which I mean, it's totally a July 4th movie. Like. American Pie, you that yeah. you can't get more July Fourth in that movie. What do you, can you search? What else came out on that weekend? What was its competition? Um, what was American Pie's competition? Yeah, because I'm surprised that was number one, only because it's hard for comedies to really do that. I feel like, especially that was the first of a series, right? Uh, it wasn't well known at that point. It was not well known. It was, I mean, yeah, it was the first of the series. Um, I cannot. I, I was gonna write down everything that came on that weekend, but I didn't want to go that in depth. I don't know what else comes out that weekend. And I mean, there's a computer in front of me, but that would just take too much work. So one of the things that you wanted to do, and I am in favor of it. I might actually adopt it moving forward. Is we wanted to come up with a drink that we are going to be drinking during this conversation, which we have been. Um, I purposely waited to the end of the show to introduce my drink for a reason. But I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yours first. What drink did you decide matched the movie? You're, you're doing your viewers and your listeners a disservice by setting me up for failure. You texted me way too late in the day to have to be able to manipulate and get all the things I needed for whatever cocktail I was going to concoct. I'm hearing a lot of excuses. Yeah, that's exactly what you're hearing. So 
the only thing that I'm drinking at this point uh, is, and this is my wife's doing, so I'm going to blame her too. Because now you, now your listeners are going to think that I'm the most basic of bros. But I'm drinking Cures Light, just a, a simple Rocky Mountain Fresh Cures Light. And why why does that tie into the movie for you? I uh, because like um, the movie, which was just on my TV. This was what was in my fridge. Um, that's there that is, is pretty no, good. There, I mean, if I was gonna, if if I had some time to do this, um, I would have done something Floridian. You know, they they're, they're in Florida See, for a I large portion that. of this. I thought tropical. I thought yeah. something about paradise. Um, ultimately, and uh, I don't want you to introduce it yet because I want to I want to describe your viewers what I see. Uh, which is what you just – we're talking, having a beautiful, lovely conversation, and then out of nowhere, you haven't – you didn't drink for the first 20 minutes of the conversation. You have this tall, oblong glass with your name on it. It's orange. It's a bright orange beverage there's a, in it. There's a cherry in there. I don't know if you can see. There's a cherry. There's supposed to be on the side of the cup, but it fell in. No, I, I don't want to bust your cherry, but I don't see it. So um, – and you have a beautiful orange peel, right? An orange slice in there. Mm-hmm. And you waited you waited 30 minutes into the show to, to reveal it. Because I knew it was going to be a point of conversation. Because I, unlike you, took the drink thing very seriously. Um, and I, I went out and I, I found a drink and then got all the ingredients. It has uh, grenadine, lemon juice, orange juice, rosemary, maraschino cherries, oranges, vodka. It's also got something called mango syrup which I recently found out no place in Rochester sells. <laughs> so I actually called the owner of a bar ingredients place, warehouse. I assume he's just in a warehouse somewhere with wall-to-wall ingredients that he sells to bars. And he basically told me, listen, syrup is is sugar and whatever flavor you want. So just do that. So I made homemade mango syrup with real mangoes, melted down sugar, and water. Was there any manhood in there or no? Did you no to, manhood did, at all. No. It, it's, it removes testosterone out of my body. This drink <laughs> is called Made in Manhattan. And the reason, the reason why <laughs> I picked it. do with the movie. <laughs> you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to tie the whole thing together. The reason why I picked it, two reasons. One, without the made connection, Cuba Gooding Jr. would have never found the real killer. Because that's how he he gets the number that the old guy calls from Florida is the maid. (laughs) Second, second, (laughs) if you're making if if you're making a sequel to this movie, that's what you go with. The maid is actually the mastermind behind the murders, and she's in the sequel. She becomes she's from and she goes to Manhattan to kill the district. There you go. There you go. It's the maid in Manhattan. I will say Jennifer Lopez drink. plays her later. I I, <laughs> I, uh, I did increase the alcohol content per uh, not per the ingredient list. Very very delicious drink and and I'm drinking. I also made my kids kitty cocktails without alcohol. Just sugar, <laughs> just, just sugar and sleeping pills. And you gave your wife Rufalin, so that it's just the whole it's the whole thing. Everybody's gonna be asleep when we're done podcasting. It's gonna be great. <laughs> so, is there anything anything you want to plug? Anything that's going on in your life that you want to give a shout out to the listeners about? No, no. 
I have nothing. I have literally nothing going on in my life worth mentioning to your listeners. All right, then I want to end this <laughs> podcast <laughs> as we end every podcast. Don't forget a towel and tell me what you're geeking out on. It's a strong belief of the uh, operators of Don't Forget a Towel that everybody geeks out on something, even if it's not truly comic books. Uh, or... today, this I'm geeking out on right now James Bond for sure. So I'm I'm full on in James Bond movies and TV shows, uh, and uh, there's a literature. James Bond TV show. Yeah, one of them, 1967. So I didn't I did not know that. I did know that there is a uh, James Bond cartoon about his son, James Bond Jr. Look yes. it up. It's amazing. I used to watch it as a kid. Uh, Isn't it how many... called Archer? No. <laughs> how many Bond movies are there now? 20, 23 20, or 25? 23, yeah. yeah. 23. Wow. Jesus. Well, that's great, man. Um, and Christopher Nolan wants to direct a James Bond series. If Christopher Nolan... Huge, no... huge I have, fan. I have run my life... By one principle, if Christopher Nolan wants to do it, let him. That's, <laughs> right. That's You're the only desperate. thing. If you see Christopher Nolan on the street and he's like, "Hey, can I take your car for a spin?" Just let him. Just let him do it. Everything he touches is gold. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching this movie and thanks for uh, talking to me about it. All right, man. You can follow me on alec.weck at gmail. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Hopefully like people do that. Real. I don't have anything. But Facebook, follow me on, find me on Facebook. My name is Jesus1348 at Facebook.mail. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's how that goes. <laughs>